If you have your Bibles this morning, I would like you to take them out if you would. And let's get ready to open them up. We're going to first go to Colossians chapter 1 in just a few minutes. Uh, but this morning I want to preach a message I have been, we have been in the series, It's Time. Um, it's time for salvation. It's time to serve. It's time to worship. And today I want to preach a message entitled, It's Time to Be Holy. Uh, holiness is one of those things that is not often talked about in many of our churches, especially in many mainstream churches today, especially churches that are seeking relevance over righteousness. Uh, and I know that the word relevant has become a buzzword in many churches. There is a slight problem with the word uh, that I have, and of course, I, I couldn't quite express it the way that I recently heard it as uh, I watched a talk given by uh, the professor of mathematics at Oxford University, uh, Dr. John Lennox, give a talk to Princeton University, some Princeton University students, and his subject was, is God relevant in the world that we have? And he stopped right at the very beginning of his talk, and of course in his English accent, and he had me at that point, I, I'm all over it, I'll listen all the way through. But he said, the problem with this word relevant is to whom or to what? In other words, it's so subjective that you can pass it off. You can say, and the church can say, we have a relevant message, and the world can say, but not to me. You see, the difference with the gospel is the gospel is always relevant to the individual no matter what they say. They might say it's not relevant, but it still is. The message of the gospel is not subjective. It is objective. It seeks and saves that which is lost. And so you will forgive me if I kind of shun the word, and I know from time to time we've used it for one thing or another, but nonetheless, the idea here that holiness is no longer a relevant kind of thing for the church is essentially to say neither is grace, neither is love, neither is mercy. And we know that's not the case. We know that is not true. It is all relevant for the church. It is all relevant for the day that we are living in. But I believe that holiness has been lost in many of our churches. The talking about it, preaching about it, discussing it, and sadly, even living it. We see it all through Scripture. We see it from the very beginning in the Old Testament. We see that God is a holy God. As God is instituting the, uh, the, the Levitical priesthood, He tells the priests in the book of Leviticus to be holy because He is holy. That they must be holy because He is holy. We get into the New Testament and we find that Peter also quotes from Leviticus, but he gives a little bit of a, a change to it. Instead of saying you must be holy, he simply says, be holy because God is holy. 
I know that holiness, and I think part of the problem, lays at the feet of our previous generation. Forgive me if I point the finger for a minute, and I don't mean to do that in a a vengeful way. I don't mean to do that in a celebrating kind of way, but part of the prior generation tended to take holiness to mean how it was that you looked on the outside. They made it about whether or not you wore makeup, ladies. Of course, nowadays, the guys, well, (laughs) please, we won't even go there. But they made it about whether or not you wore pants. They made it about how you looked on the external and what it was that you looked like out on the outside. And that, brothers and sisters, is not what holiness is all about. I grew up in that era. I was a young person when I was growing up, and and many of what and much of what we heard preached from the pulpit was all about the external. It had little to do with what was going on on the inside. It's an amazing thing. You would have individuals who were looked as straight-laced and as holy as possible. But all of a sudden, they got on the inside. They got inside their house. Yeah, that's all right. You don't need to move. Are they going downstairs? That's okay. They, they got on the inside of their house, and all of a sudden, they became monsters. They treated their wives poorly. They treated their family poorly. Maybe the mother didn't do what they were supposed to do as parents. And somehow things changed from what was on the outward appearance. Remember what Samuel told or what God told Samuel. God said that that, that he looks on the inward man, not the outward appearance. He looks at the heart, not what's going on on the outside. Man has twisted holiness into a kind of works-based relationship with God, and it could not be further from what holiness really is before God. The idea that somehow I can impress God with how I look, or that I can impress God with my actions, with what I do, that, brothers and sisters, flies in the face of the teaching of grace. Grace says... It is absolute unmerited favor before God. In other words, you didn't do anything to prove to God and you can't do anything to prove to God that you deserve grace. You can't do anything to earn the favor of God. But see, it is out of grace that then we take the time to be holy. It is because of His grace That we can look and take stock of our lives and say, now Lord, let me find out what it is that honors you. Question is and comes in, what is holiness? How do we define it? And then after we've defined it, really, essentially, how do we live it? Because we are living in a world, essentially, that has changed over the last 10, 20, 30 years. Our world is drastically different than it used to be. Incredibly so, and so much so that now from the government all the way down, they are calling good evil and evil good. Well, Isaiah prophesied about that day. He prophesied that that would take place, that the people of Judah and the people of Israel, that there would be people who would be 
twisting the Word of God and twisting what was right and what was wrong, and they would be changing it around so that now we live in a society, we live in a culture that looks at your Christianity as though it is the actual evil to society. So how do you live in the middle of all of that? How do we live in a time where where so many people are looking at religion itself as the problem. They are looking at Christians as the pariah. They're looking at Christians as the individuals who are creating all the problems. We're to continue to live the way Jesus told us to live. We are to continue to live in a world that is upside down. We're to continue to live right side up. The way the Bible has told us to. You know, we look at the day and age that we live in and we might think, wow, this is really different from what the apostles faced. I don't think so. In fact, i got to say that I think during the time that the apostles were there, they lived in a world that was completely upside down. Of course, the religious leaders talked about the apostles as the ones who turned the world upside down. And I like that because they turned it upside down for Jesus. But really, in the end, they lived in a very evil and a dark world. Rome was the ruling power of the day, and they had one of the worst emperors of all time sitting as the emperor of Rome. They lived in a dark and in an evil day. And brothers and sisters, we live in a dark and an evil day. And the question is, what are we going to do? I believe that it is time for the church to recognize and realize that we have got to be holy, that we have got to seek righteousness over relevance, that we have to be more concerned about whether or not we are pleasing God than we are about whether or not we're pleasing the culture. And I realize there are churches today that are busting at the seams because they are trying to please culture. You say, Pastor, look around us here today. We're not one of those. I recognize that. But I will say this. I believe that God has called us to live a holy life. So, what is it? Somebody once said that a holy life is not an ascetic or gloomy or solitary life, but a life regulated by truth and faithful in Christian duty. It is living above the world while we are still in it. I like that. It is living above the world while we are still in it. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we have to live above the world as long as we are still living and breathing in this world. The world is trying to pull at you. The world is trying to make fun of you. The world is trying to drag you down and say that the views that you have, the Christian worldview that you might hold to is old hat and that was for the 50s and the, you know, long before that. It's not for today. I want to let you know that in spite of all that they're saying, we are to live above the world. Somebody also simply defined it by asking this question. John Stott said this, What is holiness except Christ-likeness? What is holiness except Christ-likeness? It's being like Jesus. 
We sing the little chorus from time to time to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him, brothers and sisters, more than anything else. And Paul put it this way. I think this really defines it for me when you find out what the Bible says, because Paul said this, find out what pleases the Lord. You want to know what holiness is? Holiness has nothing to do with, you know, well, I, I got to have my hair a certain way. I got to, you know, I got to make sure I'm wearing certain clothes. I'm all for modesty. I believe that the Bible teaches modesty in our dress and it teaches us to, to you know, be concerned about those things. But I want you to know that, that in, in, when it all comes down to it, it is finding out what pleases the Lord. And the Bible also says, and Paul says, that we are to work out our salvation in fear and in trembling. In other words, I do not answer for you. You have to answer for you. I have to answer for me. So we have to find out what pleases the Lord. But the question is, how are we to be holy? Well, we've got to know what the beginning of holiness is. What is the start of the holy life? Go to Colossians chapter 1, if you're not already there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22. And the Bible says this. It says, And now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy, I like this, in His sight, I'm reading from the NIV, without blemish and free from accusation. The very beginning of holiness is not you. It's Christ's death. What Jesus Christ did on the cross allows you to be holy. It allows us to have a holy life and to live a holy life. If it were not for salvation, there isn't anybody who could be holy. Now, I know that some people define holiness as a, a particular religious piety. In other words, I can grab onto a religion and I can read all the tenets of that faith and I can look at it and I can mentally agree to it and I can say I'm going to live the way that this religious system believes and therefore I am going to be holy. But the Bible defines it in this way, that it starts first with the cross. It doesn't start with my mental agreement to any set or system of beliefs. It starts with what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It cannot start with mankind. Man is not the inventor of holiness. It is God who is the inventor of holiness. And the Bible lets us know that His death on the cross, it allows us, the Bible says this, to present you holy in His sight. I like that because you know what? There are a whole lot of folks around you who remember what you've done. And a whole lot of people will be the first to remind you, you ain't holy. And you know what? We've taken a dim view of holiness in the world because we use phrases like, oh, holier than thou. You know? They're just so holy. 
We, we kind of diminish it a little bit. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The Bible indicates that we are holy in His sight. It isn't based on what you have done. It isn't based on what you do and how well you perform. It is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, that He declares you righteous. He says, you are now righteous before me, and now I have taken your sin away, I have wiped it away, and no longer are you a slave to that sin. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that that is the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness says, I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. And because of that, you are now holy in the sight of God. Who cares what everybody else thinks? Somebody comes along and tries to say, hey, remember what you did, you know, five years ago? Now you're, you're trying to be all holy and stuff? No, you're not trying to be all holy. He made you holy. You can just say, you know, Jesus made me holy. I'm not trying to be anything. I just want to be like Jesus. That's all. I want to live Christ-like in this world. But he's the one who started it. The start of holiness is his death on the cross. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. One more verse of Scripture in this. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. The Bible says this. It says if we could check our cell phones and turn them off, that would be helpful. No, it doesn't say that. I'm just, that, that would be me. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, for he chose us in him. Oh, they got it now. All right. All right. We, if we could just shut that down somehow, that would be uh, less of a distraction to all of us. It says this, Ephesians 1 and verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world that we might be holy and blameless in His sight. I want you to know that God has chosen us. He is the author and the beginner of our faith. He is the founder of holiness. He is the one who started it all, and it is because of what God has done that we can be holy and blameless in His sight. There isn't anybody in this building who can look at each other and say, I find fault with you, because God has already put us in a position of being blameless. You might have looked out and you might have seen what somebody did three weeks ago, but you don't know what happened in their prayer life. You don't know what happened in the secret closet. You don't know what they, what they, what they went through when they went through that moment of repentance, of saying, God, I failed you, I let you down, but Lord, I'm here casting myself upon your forgiveness and your grace. And in that moment, God says, I declare you righteous. I declare you holy and you are blameless in my sight. I know we let people down. I know that we do that. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The bottom line is simply this, that God is the author of holiness. He makes up the rules for how it goes and how it is. And in the end, He has chosen us in Him that we might be blameless and holy in His sight. So I want to be holy. Let's be holy by asking, Lord, how can I be like You? 
How can I be like you? I want you to see the power of the holy life. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to begin to see the power for the holy life. The Bible says this. Since we have these promises, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Now, how are we going to do that? What's well, going to give us the strength to do this, especially this next phrase, perfecting holiness. That word perfecting actually means completing. It doesn't mean being perfect because there isn't anybody in this building or on this earth who is perfect. The only perfect one was Christ. But how are we to do this? The Bible says, out of reverence for God. In other words, my view has to always be upward. In order for me to be what God wants me to be, the power for the holy life comes from where I'm looking. Are you looking at Jesus? Are your eyes fixed on Him? Or are they on yourself? If they're on yourself, then all of a sudden, your Christianity is going to be terribly works-based. You say, but isn't this about working things out? Yes, it absolutely is. The Bible indicates that we've got to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. In other words, God is concerned about what you do with your body. I know that a lot of churches don't even care about that anymore. Oh, it's all about in the heart. No, God is also concerned with what we do in our body. You are not your own, the Bible says. You are bought. You were bought with a price. We are His. We, Paul said it in Romans. We make ourselves now slaves to God. And so therefore, as we go through all of this, we recognize, though, that the power for holiness is looking at Him. It is out of reverence for the Lord. You're not trying to be holy because, you know, you think it's going to impress Him. It doesn't. You are holy because you are looking at Him and you are getting a picture of who He is and your desire is, Lord, out of reverence for you, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 14. Verse 14. Hebrews 10 and verse 14. The Bible says this, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Now notice this. Those who are being made holy. Okay, there's a, there is something happening in this verse of Scripture that is at times a little difficult. We stumble over that word perfect a little bit. It is perfect in the sense of complete. You have been made complete in Christ. But the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that now through the process of your life, you are being made 
holy. But wait a minute, doesn't it all depend on me? No, it doesn't all depend on you. It is God who is working in you, both to do and to will according to his perfect pleasure. Brothers and sisters, you and I need to recognize that we are absolutely dependent on the power of God working in us to make us holy. We are being made holy. More and more in the image of Christ. There are a lot of verses of Scripture here that I want to read to you. But you know what? Let me just go to, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Go over to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Bible says this. Romans 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. See, God is no longer interested in dead sacrifices. We are in the new covenant now. The old covenant had to do with the sacrifice of animals, the new covenant. Christ became the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And now when he says that we are to be sacrifices, it is a living sacrifice. He doesn't want a dead person. He wants a living person who says, Lord, I am sacrificing myself to you to be what? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We mentioned this verse of scripture the last time when we talked about it's time to worship, but also that we are to be holy and pleasing to God. Brothers and sisters, the power comes as we yield ourselves to God to say, Lord, I am yours both on the outside and on the inside. I want to honor you. I want to please you. I want to give myself to you. That, brothers and sisters, is the living of a holy life. And if you're caught up in legalism, I, I please implore you to extract yourself out of it. I've seen it. I've seen the damage that it can do. I've seen the trouble that it can make. And I've seen the most, the most holy looking people, according to that standard, be the most miserable individuals that I have ever laid eyes on. Brothers and sisters, holiness is not for us to walk around with this sober, somber look around uh, on our faces as if somehow somebody has just poked us with a red hot poker. Holiness is for us to show Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to the result of the holy life. Let me get there because this is important. The result of the holy life. Let's go to first. Let's go to first Peter. First Peter 15 and 16. And then we're going to go over to Hebrews chapter 12. I want us to see the result of the holy life or the point of the holy life. What is the point? Is the point so that God would look at me on judgment day and say, you have been such a good Christian. You've been such a holy person. I'm just so impressed with you. That isn't the point. There is a point to holiness. 
There is a point in which holiness needs to be an element of attractiveness to the world. We're going to see this in just a moment. But I want you to see what Peter says. 1 Peter 15 and 16. And he is actually quoting a little bit from, or at least has in mind, verse of Scripture from the book of Leviticus. The Bible says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy in all you do. I know that sometimes as believers, and we're going to read verse 16 in a minute, in a minute, I know that sometimes as believers, holiness tends to be one of those things where we say, well, it doesn't translate into my life and the world, in the workplace, in my apartment building, my condo, wherever I live. It doesn't necessarily translate into there. And I've got to say that the Bible lets us know that your Christianity is to permeate every part of your life. The Bible says that we are to be holy, Peter says it, in all you do. That is, whatever it is that you are doing, he writes to the Colossian church, whether in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Well, we are to do everything in honor of Him. In everything we are to be holy. For it is written, verse 16, be holy because I am holy. In other words, we are seeking to honor God. One of the things that we, the point of what it is that we are trying to do as we are living the holy life is we are trying to honor God, not impress God. There's a difference. We are trying to honor God as if it is a spiritual act of worship, as Paul says in Romans 12. We want to honor Him through a holy life. Now, we've equated a holy life. Well, I don't... You know, I don't dance, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any of those, whatever it is that we think about holiness and those externals, we might have that in our minds, but I want you to know that holiness goes much deeper than all of that. The holy life working on the inside ought to help us with those things, but it does not necessarily mean that those things, if they are present... God is not going to help you with them. He will help you. He will deliver you. If you're not, you're not delivered from those things yet, you need to pray and say, God, let me be delivered. Help me to overcome. He'll help you to overcome. It's not going to be your willpower. It's not going to be anything like that. But many times we look at that and we say, well, you know what, those are, those are all things, clearly they're not holy. I, I dare say that there have been people, and I want to say it was Charles Spurgeon, who every now and then used to light up a pipe. One of the greatest preachers that, that we have ever known used to light up the pipe, sit around in his den, read the Bible, and smoke a pipe. Now, I'm not suggesting that you and I sit around and say, woo-hoo, bring it on, let me do whatever it is I want to do. If you, are, if you are doing what you should to please God and honor God, you will find that part of honoring Him is to honor Him with your body. And the temple of the Holy Spirit is your body. So we need to make our bodies available to Him to live for Him and to be our very best for Him. Now, go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse... 14. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. 
And after this, I'm not going to go too far into this because the point is not just so that you and I will honor God. It is so that we will see God. And there is, I read this scripture again, read it many times, but I saw it anew and afresh this time. The Bible says this in verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with who? All men. Now I want you to notice the all men. Because all men in this is not just the believer. It is the unbeliever. All men means all men. All mankind. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Now notice this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, if my desire, and this is where we first, I have always known the, the, the interpretation of the Scripture to be that without living a holy life, I cannot hope to see God. The only way that I can see God is to be holy. This is why I think it is a, a drastic thing for churches to be pushing aside the message of holiness in churches that are teaching about love and grace and mercy. You can't escape. You can't escape the idea of holiness in a world that is living to please and honor itself and living for their own lusts and their own pleasures. We've got to have a standard that is higher than what the world is living. And the only way that the world is going to see that, that is through the church. No one will see the Lord without holiness. But all of a sudden, it occurred to me in this, mess, in this, in this verse of Scripture, when I read the all men, and in the context of this verse of Scripture, it's not just me that I have to be concerned about with being holy that I will see God. But I began to see this, that all men, believer or unbeliever alike, that holiness in my life is a testimony to them in the world of what God is able to do and accomplish in their life. Brothers and sisters, the only way that they can see Jesus in me is if I'm going to be living Christ-like. And we defined Christ-likeness as essentially holiness. How can I show the world? How can you and I show unbelievers that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? If we're going out doing the same kind of nonsense they are, and we are living in a culture where we are trying to assimilate and be like them as opposed to being like Jesus, the only way the world is ever going to see that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life is if you and I will, will live it in front of them the only way they're going to see no one will see will see God without holiness I, I all of a sudden it occurred to me that the writer might have been saying both things 
that the only way I can see God is if I live a holy life. But it, it goes beyond that. You see, the whole point of church and the whole point of us coming together is so that we will be strengthened in worship, that we will be strengthened in the faith, so that when we go out there, outside of these walls, and we live a life in front of the world, that it will be a life that pleases and honors God. How else is the world going to see How else will they know that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross? Well, hopefully we'll have an outreach where I can invite them into church. You know know what, folks? Can I just tell you that, that as good as those things are, people are won by you. People will come to Jesus because you invite them to Jesus, not because you invite them to church. In fact, I find that sometimes when they're invited to church, they're a little bit of a f- afraid of what's going on in church. But you know what they're not afraid of? They're not afraid of a conversation with you. They're not afraid to hear you begin to quote a few scriptures and begin to tell them about what Jesus Christ has done for you. Brothers and sisters, we have got to believe with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind that the whole point of our holiness is so that Jesus will be lifted up and He will draw all men unto Him. Holiness is not so that you can impress God on the day of judgment. Holiness is so that you can show the world that there is some who loves them with an everlasting love who cares for them more than the nonsense that they're chasing after and will help them to extract themselves out of a life of sin that binds them the only way that they can ever really see that is through the holy life that you live to be like Jesus to be like Jesus all I ask is to be like Him. There is no other way for people to see Jesus. Listen, I have done, as a pastor, a great disservice in many ways to this congregation because I have not preached on holiness as much as I should. It could be because through some of my upbringing, I began to see holiness as being merely an external way of impressing God and impressing people. That I pushed it aside, but as I read, I, it was that one verse of Scripture in Hebrews that really sparked this entire message. That as I saw that as we are to live in peace, make every effort to live in peace with all men, and that our holiness is directly connected to our testimony about who Jesus is. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart as a church, as a body, and throughout not only this body, local body of believers, but throughout the world and throughout our country, that we've got to get back to that place where we emphasize holiness, not as an external, but as something that will show a world that is lost and hopeless, and they are dying without Christ, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father but through Him. That when we're living it in front of a world, it will become attractive to them because they see a life that honors God. Holiness. Holiness honors Him. Can we bow our heads right now?